Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs and it's snowing again. Lots and lots of snow. And I do have Terry Kemper with me. He was out chasing snow, but you don't have to do that uh, here today, Terry. We got lots just chasing us. Good morning, Terry. Hey, good morning, Earl. Lots, uh, lots of House High River, lots of snow. Uh, yeah, there's a bit of snow here. It feels a little strange to be home this weekend. Um, been on the go for the last couple of weekends, so uh, feels like nice. it should be somewhere. I don't know, but uh, yeah, no, very much, very much uh, snowy winter morning here. No, t- enjoy the time because uh, you know where you'll be in the next uh, month or so. We'll be at the garden center every weekend. Absolutely, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So take well, the time good. and. Uh, and enjoy it a little bit. It's good. Yeah, that's the good thing about this time of year is that when we get a, a big, you know, snow event like this, um, we know that, you know, uh, it's going to change pretty quick, right? Oh, absolutely. You can see when the sun comes out with the longer days now, even when it's minus six, like it was on Thursday, Friday there, and even yesterday, um, where the sun's sitting on the asphalt and the concrete in different areas, it's, it's still melting pretty fast. Yeah. So the the sun rays are definitely heating it up, and and I know we talk about snow farming, but this is perfect snow for that snow farming because it's not really heavy. It's actually really quite a light snow, um, but so it's 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 nice to throw that on uh, all your shrub beds up against your foundation, underneath your big spruce trees, all that stuff. Um, that, that way, it just slowly melts underneath there, gets into the soil, and gives you that. Uh, helps build up the water table a little bit into the soil so you have a much needed moisture in the spring when those plants start drawing flower or start drawing water um, to produce all that foliage and and flowers and different things so yeah um, it's perfect for sure and for someone like myself that you know when it comes to gardening I always like to try and push the zones a little bit um, and so when we do get a snow like this uh, it sure helps to uh, to insulate those things I have uh, uh, an area of my garden that is uh, along the deck, um, the edge of a deck. And when I shovel the deck, I shovel the snow on top of that area. So um, it really helps to to pull those things through. Um, it's uh, Actually, totally, because yeah. a lot of those plants will typically try to, they come up a bit earlier, like a rhododendron and some of the ones that we do try to push the zone with, they're early spring because they're in Vancouver and different places. They're typically coming up. So I I remember um, in one of the gardens I'd built rhododendrons popping through the snow with the blooms underneath the snow because um, that's just they're they're typically earlier. So the longer we can keep them frozen, um, the better off. The more success you're going to have. And uh, in a ways that you, I know you've buried uh, quite a few things at spruce and and things like that before, and uh, and with great survival rates. Yeah. But it it right. does make a difference, and and that's what kills most a lot of stuff. Like people think it's the cold, but <clears throat> Kelowna, a lot of these places they still get minus twenty, minus thirty. It, but it's a lot of it. It's that it harms a lot of our our plants is the desiccation. It's not necessarily just the cold. So uh, if we can avoid the desiccation and and get a bit more of this uh, actual winter, um, this is this is good for plants. This is a great, uh, as much as I'm not a big, huge fan of tons of snow, but um, 
it's not minus 50, so it's okay. Like minus 15, is, it's not too bad. It's livable, especially when the sun comes out. But it's it, this is great for plants. It's This keeps them frozen, keeps the ground um, frozen. The moisture on top, this is good. Um, nice slow melt when we get going. And this month looks pretty good. We're not going to have any crazy Chinooks come in where it's going to be plus 15 or anything coming up. It's just nice, easy warm-up into spring. So this is uh, it's it's a great conditions for plants. So um, uh, I'm I'm okay with this. Yeah, me too. Couldn't agree more. And like you've said the last uh, couple of shows, like you know, let let's have winter and winter and spring and spring, right? So none of this early spring, and then we get a you know a big dump and a weather change. And so um, yeah, I'm all for this too. Absolutely. And uh, I got to give kudos out to uh, Lisa and her social media. They posted a. Uh, a TikTok video that went viral. Like we're close to nine million views on this thing, and over three hundred thousand <laughs> likes. Wow. And it's kind of neat. Donna did the trimming. They trimmed the, you know, some of the tropical plants. We get that little brown on the end of your leaf, and that. So they oh, trimmed yeah. it, I and it was to, uh, yeah. And then it was to uh, a, a song or some sort of phrase from a movie or something, where it says, "Will they ever notice?" Or will they? Ever... Oh, no, I don't yeah. know. But it was pretty funny. It is. And uh, and all of a sudden it went it viral. All of a sudden the first day it was like a million views, and um, now they're close to nine million views. Wow. I, yesterday I checked eight point seven. So uh, kudos to our social media team. Um, they're always having fun down there. So I uh, I enjoy that. I, and I and David's becoming a bit of a star. I hear when they recognize him when they go through the till. Yeah, you're the right. guy on TikTok. Yeah, so, it's, uh, so David's getting a good following, so it's it's good. So um, I love that they can do that and have some fun with it, and uh, it's uh, and it's good. The government can't watch it, so we don't have to worry about them because they they have to take TikTok off their phones. So we're all allowed to watch. <laughs> so, anyways, gotta gotta laugh a little bit, and as much as the crazy stuff going on around us, so. Anyways, got a quick text, and if anybody wants to join us, phone lines will be wide open. And if you have good questions, these are, this is a perfect time of year to call in. Um, Terry and I typically have more time to answer your questions because in the summer, um, the phone lines and are jam-packed. Um, so this is a great time if you have questions or send us texts. I just got uh, one here. and uh, But phone lines are wide open, 903 Five five. That is the talk and text line, and I got a quick question here. It says, "Good morning, Merle. Happy snowy Sunday. I want to ask about a leaf condition on our big plant. Um, some of them are turning lighter green <laughs> shade in the center. Some are not sure, and some are not sure why. There are lots of new leaves continuing to sprout and grow, so it seems to be healthy. I water every three to four weeks. Also use." Um, Evolve Rage Plus indoor fertilizer um, every time water on once a month. And what it is, I'm just sort of looking, It they need, and for some of these big foliage plants, like the Rage Plus is great, but I still, I think you need to add some trace elements. So this is where I would water that. It's a big Syngonium um, Salome. It, it needs um, some more trace elements added to it because there's just sometimes not enough in the rage I find to 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 satisfy 
um, the leaf and 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 getting all the nutrients into those. So what I would do is, it also looks like it's probably ready to be transplanted. Um, you have a lot of root system in that pot, so it looks like it's ready to be transplanted as well. So it's just lacking nutrients, and the more growth, it just can't keep up. So I would water it with a 20-20-20 and then look at transplanting that. I transplanted a bunch of my plants yesterday, and actually they look happy. I uh, just sort of give them a, a boost, got a couple new plants, finished our, our reno, so I was able to get some host plants into the house again. So it feels feels good. Got to bring a couple that I've had stored at the, at the store for a while, so I get to uh, bring them back home yesterday. And uh, thanks to Jess, she wrapped them all up nicely for me and uh, had them ready to go. And uh, and then we tra- did some transplanting as well, her and I together. So that was, uh, it was good. It's good to spend an hour or so getting my hands in the dirt, Terry, or into the soil. I shouldn't say dirt. I'm always correcting people <laughs> saying the soil. So, but when I see that, that's sort of what I'm, what I, what I'm seeing on some of these leaves, it just lack of trace elements. So, if you get our green it up fertilizer, the 20-20-20, that's a great all-purpose. I would give that a couple shots of that, um, maybe every couple weeks, um, and then a transplant, and then that should um, green those up nicely, and uh, and you should start seeing a big difference. So give that a try, and hopefully that will help as well. And that was from... And then I got another one, and that was actually that was from, uh, yeah, that was from Angela. So hopefully that helps you, Angela, and uh, and gets you on the right track. We're going to uh, take a quick break. Like again, if you want to join us, phone lines are wide open four zero three nine seven four eight two five five. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, and Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's year-round full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And, Terry, we're getting lots of texts uh, going on, and got a couple here that we'll go over. It says, I have an Evans cherry tree, about 20 years old. I was pruning and noticed a spot that looks like fungus. It's on the main trunk. How can I treat this? Um, and it it is it, it looks like you could have a bit of of black not going in there, and it looks like there was some sort of physical damage at one time um, to that spot. Um, either some pruning or a bird, or maybe it looks like something chewed on it at one time. It's a little bit tough. You could try and clean that out. You can treat it with. Um, I would probably just use like uh like the copper spray, um, clean that out a bit, and then if you want to scrape out some of that fungus, like don't dig too deep, and then fill it in with lac balsam, um, clean it all out really good, kind of scrape out some of the fungus, clean it up, um, just make sure if you don't touch any other part of the tree with the tool that you're using. Um, without cleaning it, have a can of Lysol spray or something and wipe. Um, give your tools a spray in between that you're digging that out. Um, so just cut it out nicely, and then you can just fill that those spots in, sort of like uh, a DAP filler with drywall on some <laughs> of that, and then fill it in with the lac balsam, which is a 
bark replacement. So don't use the black tar. Um, that will just suffocate. That's like putting a Band-Aid on your, on your cut and then just leaving it, and then it'll just fester and rot underneath there. Um, the black balsam allows the wound to heal and breathe underneath there, and it is a bark replacement, and it actually works really quite well. So I would just clean that up, spray it with um, the copper spray, um, let it dry, and then uh, seal it up with the lac balsam, and you should be good. And then after you're doing a fair bit of pruning on it, just ensure you're not leaving any stumps, and uh, and just watch where you're doing your cuts, nice, clean, sharp cuts, and uh, and then ensure that you feed that in the spring, good deep watering, and then uh, 15, 30, 15 early in the spring when it gets going, um, when the ground's thawed out and it's starting to go, hit it with some 15, 30, 15 a couple times, and then hopefully you should see a lot of cherry blossoms and and different things going at this time. And because uh, that, with with a lot of your fruit trees, Terry, it, it it is a lot, of, like our soil doesn't have anything in it. So I find um, we, we definitely need to supplement. Yeah, it, uh, it it eats it up pretty quick for sure. Um, especially as that tree gets older, it you know it gets bigger too, right? So uh, its need increases. So when it's actually quite small, um, it's not using a whole lot of the soil. But a 20-year tree, it's going to be a good-sized tree, so it's it's going to want to eat for sure. So you want to make sure that you're feeding that and and just bearing in mind that that soil is is, is hungry, right? Absolutely. And then I know the pruned up there. Uh... They're they're getting ready and uh, getting customers lined up. They do the the deep root injection, and that goes in and it's a high pressure water mixture with fertilizer gets in, but it also has the pressure of the water, so it loosens up the root system down below. Um, so it helps get uh, air into it, helps the root system evolve, but also gets that good nutrients in there. And uh, I can attest that that. Uh, the, the deep root injections definitely work really well. Um, if you have some larger trees, even smaller ones, um, and you just want to get on the program, it, it does make a big difference to your trees, getting them nice and healthy and feeding them. And then we, we also talk about the deep root watering, um, slow deep watering for your trees. Um, when we see them starting to die out on the top in the summertime, most of that is just lack of water. There's just not enough water to get to the top of your trees so that's this mother nature shutting it down from the top down and uh and you'll see that and uh so it's it's something um with our soil and the dryness um it just makes all the difference especially the first few years in watering and then when the tree gets older like as it like you were just saying it's used up all the nutrients and also the roots are going out and you have that big head of foliage on top of that if it's not getting enough water, you're not going to get the nice big leaves. You're not going to get the blooms. So ensuring, and that's, I guess, sometimes what worries me when I see the city, they, they just, they, they're giving out 500 trees. I just hope that they're explaining how to do it. And our program, I know our maintenance program and talking with the city, um, they have the money for trees, but they don't have the money for the maintenance. And maintenance, I, yeah. I hope I hope we can get that in line because uh, in some of the new areas, like just to the west of us, they've done a really good job. They planted different varieties, so I'm seeing a change in the new plantings and and different things spaced out a little bit more. 
proper trees, giving the meridians a lot more room to grow um, if they're going to put plants in there um, because they can't survive in that three-foot um, little piece of soil in the middle of, of 30 feet of asphalt. It's 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 tough on those plants, right? So it's a uh, super tough environment, yeah. Yeah, so um, it's interesting. Like when, you, when we, I was just down in Vegas there a couple of weeks ago um, at the trade show, and what they do along the roadways, like they don't even try and grow anything anymore. They use like big rock formations and different things. Like we could take some of that in in around some of our our interchanges, and because the amount of mowing we do, it's it's crazy. So I'd like to see, and I know they've done some long grass um, tests, and it's right along Memorial Drive, sort of as you go underneath. Um, what street it's 14th street they've left grass go long and if they mow the edges and stuff like that it actually can look pretty good um and i think i'd like to see a lot more of that like along deerfoot and stuff like that where they just mow those big hills for no reason mm-hmm. and it'd just be nice to leave a lot of that stuff and it just um because you'll see it in parks where the grass grows it's gorgeous all summer it dies back in the fall but next spring all the new grass just comes through it they don't go in and mow it like it just it comes back right and uh and then the old grass just uh evolves back into the soil and it's a great little ecosystem going so anyways i'd like to see more of that so hopefully we we start seeing a bit more of that because all that mowing and most time it doesn't look great anyways a big tire tracks going up the side of this hill (laughs) and they spin out and unfortunately they seem to do it on the rainiest day and they're spinning their tires in the in the hill so anyways enough enough on that terry um what 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 uh you're you're coming back you're coming back to work next week i hear uh tomorrow yeah tomorrow tomorrow is, uh, Uh-oh. back full time oh whose bright idea was that eh <laughs> <laughs> nice. well it's um I, I just see my uh my email um filling up more and more so i can tell that spring is around the corner so yeah uh, i figured yeah time I to better, get back at her eh? i better get back at her so awesome awesome um and i got a quick question here i got a dwarf red banana it's browning it was outside all summer and did wonderful the center stalk has become like you see with new growth surrounding it i water it thoroughly when it dries it gets bright light but not direct sun indoors i have put the cutting off in the middle of the stem to ask your advice so i'm just pulling it up here on the picture um I would cut the center out of that and I would probably transplant that into fresh soil and cut the center out. And you might even want to split that bulb up a bit. You might be able to, if you pull it out, because you got quite a few coming out of the bottom. So you might even be able to split that or put into a larger pot and grow like one nice big large one. Um, is what I would probably recommend because the center is going to die out and kind of rot out on you. So I would cut those out and the, some of the ones on the side as well and uh, and do that if uh, on that text I just got. And that is from Dana. So hopefully that, hopefully that helps you out. And we got to take a break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I am here with Terry Kemper. If you'd like to join us, 
phone lines are wide open. Just had another text. Good morning, Merle. With all this fresh snow, would this be a prime opportunity to take some of that snow and put it under our, our pine trees? Absolutely. Mentioned it a little bit earlier, but it's good to mention it again. Uh, snow farming is a great activity at this time. Um, this is nice light snow. It's great. Has good moisture content in it, so it's good to get underneath your your uh, big spruce trees, pine trees, over top of your junipers into those uh, shrub beds, um, perennial beds. Absolutely, get it off the sidewalks and into the into the soil. Um, I don't think you can go wrong with that. So, again, if you if you'd like to join us, phone lines are wide open. Four zero three nine seven four eight two five five. Got lots of text, Terry. Um, so I know um, with with it coming up in the season, um, is it looking good for supply and everything, Terry? Like we're we're sitting good with with the amount of uh, product and the availability this coming year. I know the nurseries have seemed to caught up, but are you still seeing that? Are we looking good? Yeah, no, everything that I'm seeing is we've kind of turned a corner there um, with availabilities. On There's still a few things that are that are um, um, not quite where we'd like them to be as yet. But uh, for the most part, no, we're definitely seeing a, a, a turn in the uh, – and the availabilities of things so we should we should be uh, in for a good season ahead good no that's uh that's important it, and it it's just there's such a high demand and we're seeing that and we're seeing it in the tropical plants as well they're starting to get back into stock and some of the larger um our 15 and 20 gallon um trees are are catching up and going to be available again this year so which is nice and uh we, we we have tended to we still do a bit of caliper trees with in the big baskets, but we're just finding that we're doing a lot more of the fifteen and twenty and twenty five gallon pots. Um, people can take them home themselves. Um, two guys can carry it. Um, less machinery, and the cost is down about twenty five percent compared to a larger caliper tree. Once you include the the planting, delivery, and all that. And the survival is 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 better, like because they're grown in a pot. And I did a bit of experimenting over the last few years of uh, planting some 15 and 20 gallon compared to calipers, and the uh, and the 15 and 20 gallon catch right up. Um, I, I was amazed at how quick they root in with the proper watering, of course, and things like that. That they yep. will catch up and. Uh, and do well because when you are doing a caliper tree and I'm a, I'm still a, a big fan of caliper tree, like the larger baskets, when you want that instant 20 foot tree, you need to get a, the proper basket in there and dig it. You can't grow those into pots. It's just too hard. Um, so there's a de definitely a place for that. And, 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 and of course, but when you, when you root prune, when you do a, a tree spade, um, that puts them into shock as you're cutting the roots and, and it definitely takes that full, that first year. Cause a lot of times you'll see a lot of the leaves are a little bit smaller on the caliper trees. And it's just cause they go into shock for the first couple of years and then they grow the root system back. But where they're growing into pots, I just find the transplanting and everything's able to just take right off. And the root system is there. Um, they're been contained in the container and when once they hit that soil, they can just take off. So you're not 
you're not cutting or, or losing a whole bunch of the root system. So, um, so it, it's been interesting. So definitely still a place for the caliper trees, but really start looking at your 15 and 20 gallon. If you're looking for some instant, um, good height, cause you're, you're getting some nice big trees in a 15 and 20 gallon pot, Terry. Oh yeah, you definitely are. Yeah. There's some great stuff comes in potted that, uh, it's, you know, it's certainly a great way to go. And like you said, that tree's coming with, with more of its root ball. So it tends to establish quicker. And, um, yeah, I, I can't say enough about that, that larger potted, uh, program that we got going. It, uh, it's been quite successful. Um, and when you compare it to their, you know, the, we measure trees by their, their caliper size, right. Which is taken just above the, uh, just above the soil line. And caliper trees, uh, the ones that are bald and burlap, um, um, start at about 50 millimeter. Um, the yep. potted ones, uh, are in that 40 to 49 millimeter range typically. So they're just undersized, but, uh, some beautiful, beautiful trees come in, uh, and potted. So. No, absolutely. And they're, yeah. uh, uh, yeah, and this uh, they're manageable, right? That's the hard part. Like getting into some yards with the with the tree spade or with a bobcat or the basket, it, and it it does it adds like a cost of three to four hundred bucks to to dig the hole to transplant it to deliver it, and uh, where on the potted trees you can just they're cash and carry. You can take them home yourself for the most part, or or we can install them as well. Let's we deliver and install those. But the cost is a, f- a fraction of of what it is to do the the caliper trees properly. So, and, yeah. and uh, so pretty much ahead. anything that we can get in caliper um, uh, comes in potted as well. So it's not like you know you have to go to uh, to caliper to get certain trees. Um, most everything is available both um, potted and bald and burlap. So absolutely, and we're getting. And I said we've been working with our partners. Um, over the last few years of getting that program in place um, and growing the plants in the larger pots. And so it, it has taken a couple of years, um, but we're, we're getting there and the stock is getting up, which is, which is great to see. And uh, so looking forward to that. And uh, I know we're going to be doing a lot more of the pot and pot in our tree lot there. So we'll be able to uh, have a lot more of those on display and uh, and ready for people to come in and, and take home this year, and uh, so looking forward to that. It's 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 good. I'm hoping to see um, a bit more of those um, the weeping willow, the prairie cascade willows. Um, it's a little bit harder to get them much bigger than a 15 gallon um, unless we grow them on site because I just find that they get too wide. And the transport in the in the trucks is a little bit tough on those. So, but if you're getting a five or ten gallon one of those, I like I said, I'd planted a ten gallon within three years. It was a hundred mil, so it it just grew like crazy. So, it's uh, on those type of trees they can they can grow and catch right up and uh, and be a caliper tree in no time, and you get to enjoy it in your yard and watch it grow. So it's uh, it's one of those ones that you want to put out there and take a picture beside it the day you plant it, and then sort of every year go yeah. out there and take another picture of it and just see it grow, um, maybe along with your kids or whatever. And uh, anyways, th- those are always 
good to ha- to have a look. So I'm always taking lots of pictures uh, outside of uh, of trees and different things. So I like going through them and sort of seeing that as your yard uh, progresses and gets larger and larger or or over overgrown where you got to start taking stuff out. But it's just interesting when you watch the growth of of your yard when you've landscaped a new project and things like that. So. Uh, anyway, it's kind of cool. We're going to take a quick break and we get back. We have a couple callers on the line. If you want to join us, uh, you can call at 403-974-8255. That is the talk and text. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs and I'm here with uh, Terry Kemper as well. And he is the tree lot manager down at Spruce It Up Garden Center. And we were talking trees and that, but we do have a couple callers. We're going to go to Patty. Good morning, Patty. Hi. I'm not sure if this is going to work because I'm on Bluetooth. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll give it a try. It sounds yeah, good. Yeah, we'll give it a try for sure. Uh, I'm moving from Calgary to Lacombe. And okay. I'm just going to see if there's much difference in the growing of plants from Calgary to there. Um, it, it is a little bit, but you're going to get a little bit less Chinooks, and they grow, I've been through that town a few times. Um, the plant material seems to grow really quite nicely up there. It's yeah. sort of, there's a lot of nurseries in that, uh, grow in that area. So yes. I think you'll find that, uh, you'll, you should have some really nice success. I've seen some beautiful big elm trees, lots of big trees in that community. Um, yeah. so... Everything that I've seen going through there, um, I, I I don't think you're gonna have any issue. You're probably gonna have a little bit less challenging growing, and uh, you should should see some great success. Okay, thanks very much. You're welcome. No, and just same practices though, like make sure the slow deep watering, um, yeah. some snow farming, things like that, and you should be good to go. Perfect. But you think in, in, elms grow there? Well, what about yeah, elms. Weeping, weeping uh, yeah, about, the prairie cascade willow will grow there for sure. Yeah, yeah. And what about Asian lilacs? <laughs> yeah, they will grow there as well. You're talking about the Japanese tree lilac. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. They'll they'll do really they'll do really really well there. So okay, thanks. it's thanks. and one thing I liked about Lacombe and I'm I'm oh, almost. They have a lot of. They have some pretty cool older sandstone structures there, um, so I always enjoyed that going through there. You see some of the yeah, old sandstone nice homes. Town. It's beautiful. So, uh, hopefully, you enjoy. I will. Then my daughter's awesome. moving in with her big goddaughter dog. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, good luck. Thanks, Thanks. Patty. Bye bye. Bye bye. Uh, bye bye. Sound like Patty has everything going on in her car, which is good. Uh, yeah, the phone's going, the radio's the busy lady. Um, and yeah, absolutely going to the cone. But I'm um, going through there. It, it's just a little bit further north than here, which is it. It seems to be great growing conditions. Um, and and going through there, like the plant material looks really nice and healthy. And I know quite a few nurseries once they get past. Um, sort of that little bit now or north of us. Um, lots of good growing and lots of good nurseries there. So um, interesting 
um, place to go. So hopefully it's great, like I said, and then lots of great heritage buildings in in Lacombe, which is which is quite beautiful. I, I just love some of the old structures, like the sandstone homes, and some of the other buildings are quite quite beautiful there. So, and we got one more caller. We're going to go to Ken. Good morning, Ken. Good good morning. How you doing? Good, good. How can we help you? Uh, a couple months ago, I talked to you about a maple tree. I'll just uh, refresh your memory. It was between radium and golden. There was this maple tree yeah. that had yellows, golds, and oranges and reds on it on the same tree. Yeah. Do you remember the name of that maple tree? Um, if it's if it's in BC, and a lot of it could have been um, it, probably one type of maple, and I would say it's probably a Korean maple. Um, okay. It would be my guess, and because. C- they they do get the variety of colors like you'll get the orange, the reds, and that. Terry, would you like to add anything to any thoughts on on the type of maple that it, was it really big leaves or smaller? Well, that I couldn't tell because I was on the highway and it was on a farmyard. So, but it was a gorgeous tree. Yeah, um, my guess would either um, if you weren't too close, it could have been a mountain ash, or. Um, a, a type of like a Korean maple or something like that. Terry, what anything you want to add to? Korean maple is, is is a pretty good guess, I would say. It, um, if you can, if you're driving by there again sometime, um, it, it, is it something that you're able to you know stop and take a picture of? Okay, because that that helps us tremendously. Um, the, uh, the the coloring up, uh, you know, we can grow a tree and. You know, uh, in two different places, and they'll, you know, depending on the on the, the season and, and uh, the amount of water that it's got and how it, you know, starts going into dormancy, uh, can vary and affect the color as well. <clears throat> so we might, you know, in those two different spots, um, end up with that tree um, coloring up different. So that's that's another thing to bear in mind. Uh, soil is a is a big uh, factor as well. Okay. Uh, what's going on in the soil? So. But uh, maples tend to be a, a one that uh, we struggle with a little bit in Calgary. Um, uh, lots of people love them, but they, they like a long, slow transition into dormancy. So where every day is getting a little bit cooler than the next, we don't always get that in Calgary. Some days we go from, you know, uh, five, six degrees, and then we're down to, you know, minus 10 or 12 uh, almost overnight. So uh, the, one, the maples that I, you know, kind of recommend for Calgary – um, are those ones that are sort of in that um, that Ammer maple family? Uh, the Hot Wings does well for us as well. Okay. Um, and what color but, do they have? What color of leaves do they have in the fall? Uh, they color up red. Yeah. Okay. Ammer, Ammer uh, you don't get a you know uh, weeks and weeks and weeks of color. Uh, the the Ammers tend to to color up, um, but the point where the, the the leaf connects to the branch uh, tends to weaken uh, as the uh, as the fall goes on. So. I always tell people that if your emmer maple is, you know, um, is in full color in the fall, uh, maybe take a couple of days off of work and stay home and enjoy it. Because one good wind comes, <laughs> one good wind comes along, and all those leaves are, you know, uh, the difference between one weekend and the next can vary greatly. So one week, weekend it's magnificent, the next weekend there's not a leaf left on the tree. So, oh, right on. Okay, thank you very much. So we'll try for that Korean maple then. 
Yeah, yeah that one and the, like Terry was saying, the hot wings. That one, hot I'm wings just... Good one too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll write those down. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thanks, Ken. All right. Have a good day. <laughs> you too. Bye-bye. All right, we got to take another break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm here with Terry Kemper. And we are sitting March 5th. And if you'd like to join us, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. I'm thinking about those maples and... I know there's a a couple, um, there's a couple really nice ones um, in distant Sundance, um, the Prairie Splendor. It, it it it's and it can be a hit and miss. And like you're saying, sometimes we don't get those ideal fall conditions. It's very similar to the Russian olive cherry too, where they they you will see some die back and and things like that. So yeah ensuring that we start slowing them down stop watering in sort of end august mid-september start slowing them down let them get into that transition of fall and then ensuring that we water them in really good once the leaves are gone and uh getting into the winter time is is get them frozen in and uh and get and keeping them frozen for the winter it's they they do require work and Unfortunately, some of those things is, are, are what we need for success here in Calgary because our, our falls and our weather is constantly changing. And we do need to pay attention to some of that stuff too if you're going to push the zone or bring some of these um, non-native varieties into you, into our area. But doing so, you can create a, a beautiful landscape. Uh, I know I'd put a Korean maple into one of our landscapes um, and I still get to drive by the home quite often, and I'll see it in the front yard. It looks phenomenal. So it, 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 it's worth the effort. It's just remembering those certain trees that you do have in your landscape or your, your shrubs or certain flowers. Of, they might need that extra bit of attention. Yeah, absolutely. So, I know I think even Chris has a Korean maple in her backyard. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. She. I've seen it's, photos it's of it. It's doing wonderful. It's stunning. Yeah. So it can be done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, and you've we you've wintered Japanese maples, but you you're you're burying them right into the ground. Yeah. Um, so, I've wintered oh, a Japanese maple a couple times in the garage where I had it growing in a pot. Right. And I just moved the pot into a unheated garage and just stuck it in the corner and and it and they've come back that way. So there's certain ones that you can do that if you just sort of tuck them in the corner if you have a real cool unheated garage you can do a, like a japanese maple but the korean maple is as close like you get those nice small leaves it, it can get the look and with a little bit of pruning you can uh it can definitely have that uh that japanese maple look in your yard and the colors are stunning so i i, I think things like that are are worth the effort um to, to push the zone on a few of those different plants. And I got uh, I got one call, and I'm trying to reply to the text. Um, for some reason on this one text, it's not working. Um, patio planters inquire, we just expanded our deck and want to buy larger planters. What type of planters work best, clay, ceramic, resin, or cedar? We, we bring in a glazed pottery um, from Asia. 
um, typically Vietnam and, and China, with um, their high-fired clay, like compared to the Mexican clay, the, the Asian clay, they fire them at a lot higher temperature, so they become frost-resistant, and they have good weight to them, so they're not blowing around your deck, um, typically. And ones that we bring in, I try not to get the ones that go the, re the reverse, where they go narrow at the top. I try to do more of the vase shape, where they're typically always wider at the top, because our summers, during the summer, our, our days are long and hot, um, and so I, I always recommend people go a little bit larger planters on your on your patio, because that way you're going to get them. They're going to last all the way through into fall. You're not going to run out of the nutrients. You're not going to run out of soil. If you put those little tiny pots on your patio um, by August, there's no soil left, and you're having to water them four times a day. There's no nutrients left, and they typically don't look that great. So definitely the clay wood is good. Um, a lot of it is typically the size and the shape is the biggest thing of, of what I like to do. But we do recommend when we have probably Calgary's largest selection of of the clay pottery that you can see. We, we have it outside all winter long. So it, it's very good. I got to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to the second hour of Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs and I am here with Terry Kemper. And we've been chatting about uh, all kinds of different trees. We're having lots of texts coming in <clears throat> that we can uh, cover here. If you'd like to join us, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. And just had a text, Terry, and uh, it says, we have a large pear tree that produces tiny bitter pears, and the main center branch has grown very high on its own, leaving the rest of the tree below. We would like to have bigger tasting pears. What do we do? Um, there's not much we can do to change the type of fruit on the tree besides maybe planting a partner uh, um, of a different tree variety. Gorgeous um, pears um, um, blooms on the tree that they have. It just needs – it's probably – the smaller ones is what, the Yuri pear, Terry? Yeah, Yuri pear is a smaller, uh, smaller pear that does well here in Calgary. Um, yeah. I, I looked at that picture, and I, I'd probably recommend to. Um, it looks like it's in need of uh, an arborist or a, a good pruning. Yeah. Um, but um, anytime you know, um, fruit or vegetables, you know, start exhibiting a bitter flavor, um, to me, it's kind of a. a, a a signal that you know maybe the watering isn't isn't quite right on it. Um, maybe a little more regular uh, waterings and not letting that thing dry out completely yeah. could help that. That one looks like it's pretty close to the house too, uh, house deck. So uh, that is a drier spot for sure, um, more so than in the, the middle of our yard. Uh, I I'd probably I'd try those things and increase my. Um, the regularity of my fertilizing on it too. So flowering tree is going to want that higher, higher middle number fertilizer. Bitter Rage Plus probably wouldn't hurt either because um, it does yeah. help. I, I I tend to think of Rage Plus as you know it's a it's a product that helps plants do what they're supposed to, what they're supposed to do, right? Yeah, so but if, then there's also a tree competing with this one as well. Yeah, yeah. There's um, a lot going on there, so I I. 
I'd make a decision on, you know, thinning probably that uh, competitor out of there or moving it and uh, and trying some better, more consistent, deeper waterings and the right fertilizer on that too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but to get um, a better fruit, um, we're not going to be able to change that a whole lot um, unless you, like I said, I, I did reply to the text and we do carry like the Paul pear, the John pear, which are a lot more of an edible a better tasting, larger pear that uh, grow here quite well. So yeah, golden uh, spice I, I think is I, one that, I, that's well for us here too. Golden spice, yeah, pear. yeah. So we it, we will have a a big variety of fruit trees in stock this spring and summer. Um, so lots of and anything that we bring in has a two year warranty. Um, in the potted trees and is hardy for our area unless we state. Um, pushing the zone on some of the plants that we do bring in <clears throat> excuse me but for the most part they're all prairie hardy plants um, that we do bring in and like I said a two-year warranty on all of our potted trees and shrubs so um, you're not getting that anywhere so yeah we do stand behind the, the plants that uh, that we're picking out and bringing in and and with the right care you should have Great success on all that. So, anyways, um, good morning, Merle. We would like your opinion about spreading firewood ashes on lawns and gardens to reduce the acidity from the blue spruce trees. Um, <clears throat> my thoughts on that are I wouldn't try to. Um, and really, it isn't the acidity of the blue spruce that's hurting the lawns underneath. It's the competition for food and water. Um, that big spruce tree is trying to recreate the forest floor, and it works like a big umbrella. So no water and light really gets underneath there to to grow grass. And 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 they're aggressive feeders. They take a lot of nutrients and a lot of moisture up into those big big branches. So I I really recommend that people don't fight Mother Nature on these ones. I would just try and remove most of the grass underneath my spruce trees, put three to four inches of bark mulch underneath there, maybe add a couple boulders, add a couple things to feature. Um, and you could probably try, try and grow a couple of junipers or something along the edges. <clears throat> but on that one, Mother Nature typically wins that battle. <laughs> um, unless you're... Really, really, um, if you raise the limbs up, which I'm not a huge fan unless you have to, yeah, and you can plant, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm just uh, the type we have the uh, Ecolon is a blend of different fescues, it will grow underneath there with the if you put a good layer of loam and and the seed, but you, you, you have to make sure you're watering underneath your spruce tree. Because, um, like I said, it's not really the acidity that that is 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 harming the grass. It's just the lack of moisture and typically lack of light and in growing conditions. Because the needles, um, it's just a, it's as your spruce tree grows, it's an endless battle. So, and I'm not too sure if firewood ashes would do anything to to combat that. Any thoughts on that one, Terry, as well? Yeah, I think it's tricky when you you start you know trying to alter the you know pHs of soils. Um, I prefer to just work with what's there and plant the right things <clears throat> that that are going to thrive in that soil. Right? 
yep. otherwise it's just going to be a sort of kind of an ongoing battle of, of trying to uh, trying to get the win on it so um, I very much uh, let's put the right right tree in the right space and and work with the existing soil conditions I mean we can certainly amend and maybe save those those ashes for the the, the compost pile uh, perhaps but uh, treating it specifically on a lawn yeah I, I'm with you I probably wouldn't probably wouldn't do that yeah <clears throat> don't mother nature's gonna win that one yeah and does. yeah no and just just sort of go out from the drip line and the drip line of your tree is the outer branches <clears throat> go a couple feet past that um and i i just like i would rent a sod cutter and just cut a strip all the way around the outside of your your perimeter of your tree your drip line and then underneath the spruce tree i would just spray the rest with roundup Obviously, not spraying the tree or other plants around it, but if you just spray the grass with Roundup, it'll die. Cover it with with bark mulch, three to four inches at that time, and uh, it'll just seal up nicely. You can put a few boulders underneath there, add some interest, maybe a statue, a bird bath, some different things. Um, just sort of create some different um, features underneath your spruce tree instead of trying to battle, and you should have some really really nice success down there so and and create a nice natural look that should do really well um and i have had some questions about our pruning course it is up on our website now and it's a and you can sign on through eventbrite and mark trozo our our printed up operating manager he's going to be the guy doing it so you get first hand with mark for a couple hours so invaluable i know uh i'm hoping that a few of us from the store are also gonna attend it as well and uh hopefully we can all learn and and pass on some tips and learn some pruning from the expert from mark himself will be uh, yeah that'll be, doing that'll be that. good yeah i think it's in mid-april april 16th and uh it is on there for uh it's a two-hour course that uh, mark will put together and uh it should be great. So looking forward that, to. Uh, I bet that fills up fast. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I'm assuming it will. Yeah. And uh, and then uh, we'll have to do it a, a couple more times. But we have a few other classes that we're looking at doing. And I know Chris has been doing some at some senior homes and some different things over the winter here, which is great on growing seeds and doing different things. So, again, that's the that's the best part about the gardening and uh, we get to share and uh, pass on knowledge and get people growing because um, seeing that in the store and you see it every day, like yesterday I was in there, it was busy. Um, lots of families, lots of young couples, young guys, young girls. It's great to see um, the diverse um, people that are getting into plants and gardening. So it's pretty awesome. So um, we're pretty happy to see all the people coming out and uh, and getting into spring because, like I said, when the sun does come out, it was feeling like it. And then today it feels like winter. So we get the best <laughs> of all worlds, Terry. Hey, just wait. Yeah, wait, wait a day and uh, the weather will change and you get another season. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I always, I, that's why I kind of still chuckle when I think about that Leonardo DiCaprio when he talked about the Chinook and he witnessed a. <laughs> A weather phenomenon, and the world was ending because he endured a Chinook 
um, I'm like, dude, we do this. No. Uh, we get this every year. It goes from minus 20 to plus 20. Yeah. It's, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Calgary. It's, uh, yeah. but he was, uh, it was a weather phenomena. So, um, it, it, it is interesting, but it would be different though. Like if you're in a place like that and you're here and all of a sudden you're, you're freezing the day and the next day you're, you're out there and you're getting a sunburn cause you're out in the snow and it's reflecting off there. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of cool. So anyways, we're going to take a break, Terry. Okay. Um, if you'd like to join us, phone lines are wide open. 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back. Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs and I am here with Terry Kemper and we are, I know the the prune it up and the green it up are getting people signed up. So it won't be long before we'll be out fertilizing the grass, Terry, doing our our spring cleanups and uh, and all that kind of stuff out in the yard. When you're when you're getting your yard, Terry, what what are your first things that you you like to do? Like sort of the snow's melted. What what's your kind of uh, your routine out in the Terry Kemper yard? Well, I don't grow a lot of lawn, so um, not too much in the lawn world, but uh, my usual is uh, I'll go and start cleaning up um, uh, perennials, um, grasses, that kind of thing. Uh, it's yep. a good idea because the Carl Forrester grass, for example, uh, it's one that it gets going quite early. And so if you can get out there in, you know, sometime in March, uh, clean those plants up to within a few inches of the ground. Uh, definitely makes a difference in how they how they look through the rest of the summer. I think we've all seen it in you know some of the commercial uh, plantings where they don't cut down the previous growth, so then you get the old dead stalks coming through with the new growth. So I generally just try to go through and, and clean up any of the, the the dead stuff that I've left from the year before uh, as I see that new growth coming on. And just get that uh, into the compost. Yeah, and one, and... one little trick with the Carl Foresters, even if you just cut a few of the leaves off first, or a few of the branches or or stalks, I guess they'd be called stalks of yeah. grass, and then just tie, like wrap it around the main head, like the whole bunch of it, and tie it nice and tight, and then just get a super nice sharp knife underneath and go down as close as you can to the ground, and then you can just cut it, and that keeps it way less messy. Or if you don't, yeah. if you don't want to do it, if you have a piece of string or a piece of Velcro or something, wrap it around, tie it, so that way you keep it all in like a bushel. And when you cut it, this makes the mess much easier. Yeah. So it's not tip. laying all over the grass. Grab that butt bushel, and uh, and you can either stick it into a vase. You could have it as a as a as an early spring arrangement in a vase or something, or yeah. just yeah, right into the compost pile. Yeah. So. Yeah, it can get a little messy, so that's definitely a good tip. I've, I've made yeah. the mess before, so <laughs> yeah, I've done it with the weed whipper. Um, that's never good; it's everywhere, so it you end up <laughs> fun while you're doing it. But then it's oh like, yeah, oh my goodness, what have I done? <laughs> yeah, and that's where uh, my wife jokes; she calls me Tyler sometimes, and that was from an old boss that she used to have that used to he'd run around to make the mess, and she had to run around and clean up behind clean it her. Up. <laughs> Yeah, behind them, and uh, so when I do that, she goes, "Okay, I got it, Tyler." So, anyways, Tyler, if you're still out there, thanks. I still get, I still get the, I still get the rub of the Tyler. So it's kind of, yeah. She goes, "Oh, Tyler's back, making the best," and then uh, hmm. 
you have your your assistant come around and clean up yeah. after you. So uh, I feel when I say that out loud, it doesn't sound so good. I'm such a <laughs> not a good guy. Yeah. Oh God. Anyways, um, so so you work on your perennials first, but do you kind of wait till you start seeing green or early, or when do you start di- like doing the big cleanup? Well, as, I, I guess I do it when I have the time, uh, to be honest, because, I mean, spring is a very busy time of year for me. Um, so uh, any time I get a chance to be in my yard, um, I, I take advantage of it. So I'll leave the, you know, I'll leave sort of the, the, the leaf litter um, uh, around the perennials throughout March and April. Like, I won't clean that up too, too quick. Uh, and most of that, you know, if your soil is in good health and you've got some, some worm activity, a lot of that um, disappears. Uh, I don't really remove that stuff. If it's not too, too thick, uh, yep. that will dis- disappear on its own. But really, it's just the, the, the stalks and, and just a, an overall uh, cleanup. And then as the season goes on, as we get into May, then I'll refine it a little bit more. Uh, leaving that protection around the, the, the crowns of, uh, of of plants and stuff if I've mulched or left. I have two large yeah. uh, ash trees in my front yard, uh, and they kick off a lot of leaves. And I just leave them in place for the most part, and they usually will disappear. Yeah, I, I do the same. I'll just blow them off, um, yeah. typically off the grass into the shrub beds and stuff like that, sort of add that winter protection, give a place for the ladybugs, different bugs to hang out. And then uh, do the big cleanup in the spring. Yeah, the other thing I'll do too is um, I'll, I'll take a look at what needs um, that maybe you know suffered some damage in the winter in terms of uh, trees and shrubs. Maybe some stuff that needs some some pruning. Yeah, uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll pay a little more attention to that and uh, get out there and get those things addressed before they get you know become a problem. I don't want the you know tree putting energy into a you know a, a branch that's you know kind of hanging by a thread i'd rather just get that cleaned up and so all that energy is being pushed into to, to new growth that's going to be successful absolutely yeah dead damage disease get rid of that stuff um like you said terry you're not wasting that energy on yeah. on dead wood you might as well get it going into nice new wood and the leaf like even like on your tropical plant the same theory if your leaf is brown and, and dead on your plant, it's not going to come back. No. Um, it, your best is to cut those off, um, let the plant uh, recover, and and put its energy into growing new plant new leaves because it will. If the if the dead leaves are hanging there, it's still trying to add um, energy into that, trying to revive it. So you want to remove those and uh, and let it uh, concentrate on on healthy new growth. And and deadhead as we set like when things are growing healthy in the summer, when the blooms are done, you cut a lot of those blooms off. It'll it'll send out new blooms. So, um, and during that uh, seasonal pruning throughout the throughout the summer, um, on your flowers and your and your trees and shrubs and that will ensure that you get nice healthy growth. Got a quick text here. Good morning, Merle and Terry. We have a beautiful, healthy. 30-foot Swedish aspen tree, which is in still leaf from last fall. When we got the first heavy wet snowfall, it bent three branches down, um, almost perpendicular to the trunk. Will these branches spring back in the spring when the weather warms, or will they have to be trimmed off? Many thanks in advance. 
my experience with that, and Mark and I talked about this on the show, I think a couple of weeks ago, we used to try to tie them up and and get them to to regrow upwards. But we just found that the tissue in the branches have been stretched out, and typically they don't tend to stay up. So you are better off to prune and either reducing those branches halfway and then it'll start growing up much easier that way or removing them totally. So I would definitely um, give Mark a call or give a certified arborist a shout and have him look at those and, and get that looked after properly. Like I said, when we had that snow timber, everybody, um, all the arborists, and a lot of us thought that was our best attack on it was tying them up and and trying to get them to re-strengthen their tissue and with with minimal success some would do it but the majority of the branches would still um flop over and 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 really did, never did recover properly their their tendons and their tissue inside the branch got stretched out so mm-hmm. um that's about all you can do terry i think is um, sometimes once that damage is done, it's hard to do that. Yeah, and if that damage's been done, um, say early in the season, uh, like, like call it early, like fall, and then it's been allowed to go like that through the winter. Um, yeah, that branch has sort of created that memory of, of you know, yeah, of, it's of bent it's over. Hurting. Yeah, so when you go to try to correct it again, if you can get it right away, that's one thing. But uh, after a time, yeah, over the winter. It's trickier, yeah, if you've left it over the winter. So, All right, i got to take a quick break for the news. All right. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. I came, uh, started going a little ahead of that, in in front of the intro there, Terry. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I am here with Terry Kemper. And we're in our last half hour. If you'd like to join us, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. It is snowing out there, so we're not doing a lot of gardening. But definitely lots of people coming in, picking up seeds, grower supplies. Um, our, some of our spring bulbs have arrived. Um, so definitely time to, to start doing that kind of thing. So uh, get out and enjoy. Start doing a little bit of gardening. Look at your house plants. Days are getting longer. Um, a lot of plants typically need transplanting at this time of year, revitalize the soil, maybe that spring, uh, good watering, put them into the sink or the shower, hose them off, hose the dust off from the winter, um, water them thoroughly. So the water pours out the bottom, give them a good fertilizer and, uh, let them get ready for some spring with uh, good, healthy watering, nice, nice fertilizer. And away they go, just like uh, going for a nice brunch or something, eh, Terry? That's right, yeah. Take take your plants for brunch. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. Absolutely. <laughs> we got a couple of callers. We're going to go to okay. John. Good morning, John. Well, good morning. How Fine you doing, morning sir? out here. Yeah, it's uh, yeah a little bit of snow. Did you guys get a fair bit where you are? Well, I hope this snow keeps up for the next three months, actually. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> I'll give anyway, you two months. Uh, I was talking, I uh, heard you talking about the Carl Forster. Yes. Do they uh, survive if you uh, split them up and move them around? I have one that is kind of really 
kind of overexceeded itself, and I just wanted to, like, cut it in half. Does that work? Yeah, absolutely. Jerry? Um, Carl Forrester is what they call a clump-forming grass, so it's not going to be one that sort of travels too much. It's just going to get, that clump is just going to get bigger and bigger. But yeah. uh, it divides quite easily. So um, depending on um, the size of it, you could probably even cut it into, if it's been if it's been there a while, uh, larger ones, you could probably even cut into uh, four or five different pieces um, and replant them, and they'll establish really quick. I would just do that early in the season, though. So um, in March, I'd, uh, I'd get that cleaned off, but then as you start seeing that, that new growth and we can get a shovel on the ground, uh, I'd get a shovel or uh, sometimes I'll use a saw. Like I'll just dig the whole clump up and then use a large um, old saw to uh, to cut through them, but very, very easily divided. Oh, yeah, I have that uh, half-moon type uh, edge trimmer, you know. Real sharp. I guess I could use that. So. Yeah, you could go at it with that for sure. Okay, so I would do it in half. Okay. Uh, yeah. So and and, it, and what, I guess the other thing, Merle, you keep talking about different numbers in fertilizer. Yeah. Is there any way that you could uh, sometime give us a whole breakdown and give us the numbers and what they're good for, or? Oh, uh, absolutely. Like no, and it, it and it is. It's a lot of it is fairly straightforward. It's just up, down, all around. So the first number is up, the second number is down, and the last number is all around. So um, the first one is the nitrogen. So that's for your for your growth up top, um, the greenness, adding that, getting the growth. Um, typically, the middle number is more for your root growth. It helps build the phosphate up into the soil, creating the blooms. And then the, the last number is sort of an all-around, um, like a vitamin, just like an everyday vitamin, just good to add in, um, good trace elements. And that's why we did when we created our lawn fertilizer. It's one of the only ones that you'll find on the market that has a middle number um, because most of the fertilizers are produced for the East Coast, and like Toronto area and Vancouver, where the larger populations are, and they don't need phosphate in the soil. Oh. Um, they have a lot of that. They're close to the water. But in, in Alberta, we were, were, were phosphate resistant or, depre or we don't have any. Um, so um, we need to add that. And that's why we're able to create that beautiful lush lawn, drought resistant and nice and thick, chokes out the weeds so you you, you basically like I barely sprayed like I, I think I sprayed top like a couple dandelions last year like you just you don't have to because the when you're using the green it up program it chokes out the grass or chokes out the weeds because typically bluegrass Kentucky bluegrass is a invasive species it's it'll overtake a lot of other uh, grasses even the quack grass and the crabgrass that we get in our lawns if you get a nice healthy um, Kentucky bluegrass growing and with some fescue mixed in there it'll choke out a lot of that but it can't do it with the typical lawn fertilizer that you're buying um, with the with just the 3004 or whatever it is the typical stuff that you'll see at the box stores and and things like that because it'll get it green um, but there's no root system and so it won't so you're also feeding the the, the weeds as well so they're going to grow just as quick 
and they they become very they'll dry out real quick so you have to water twice as much um, as you would when you're using the green it up fertilizer just because you're building up the root system nice and deep um, so when you water the water the root system is going to take it up when you're fertilizing with the 304 so this is a good question when you're asking about the numbers like with the with the with the typical box store fertilizer the 304 it, it does get green there's no doubt about it but then there's no there's no root system so to sustain that greenness you're gonna have to water twice as much because there's just no root system um and with the green up fertilizer so when you when you asked about the numbers when ours is like a 1632 with a high middle number it's it's going to be able to sustain the root system the greenness a lot longer and you water half as much and it also chokes out the weeds so that's why oh. we've been able to have such good success and same with our fertilizers that we've created um for the water soluble for your flowers like we have the all-purpose the 202020. so that's one for most gardeners it's great like it has a good even mixture of all three and you just sort of want to fertilize once a month once a month go out and water your flowers, water your perennials, sort of give them a shot. Um, for some of the people that want a bit more flowers, like we, we created the, the 15-30-15, and that one has the high, higher middle number where it still has enough nitrogen in the top end to give it the growth with the 15, but the 30 adds that more for root growth and for blooming adds that phosphate that it needs to do that. And then for the evergreens, we have the 30-10-10. So again, that the, they prefer, they like a little bit more nutrients up top. They want that growth, a little bit more acidity, that 30. And then the 10-10 for the root and then the all around for, the, for your evergreens. And it's also great for gardenias, azaleas, some of those plants that you have in the house that like that 30-10-10. Uh, and then we also have the 10-52-10 which we recommend for transplanting, like when you're transplanting your trees and shrubs, or if you're having a plant that's not maybe doing that well, you want to get the root system going, um, give it the 10-52-10. So, so then uh, Cole's notes and a quick five-minute thing, John, that's, uh, that's sort of how the fertilizers work. Well, that's super. I've never there heard you go. that before, but you sure made it pretty clear. Okay, hopefully, and uh, and if if you're coming into the store, whoever, um, one of the team is uh, definitely um, able to to help you along. But we've tried to simplify it um, with the label, and and with the numbers on the, on the on the labels of our of our products, and and that's a lot of them have gone away because they they need to. Um, they look after the larger population areas in Canada and it's a different thing there. So that's why we revitalized the green it up fertilizer. And we've added all of those cause they're, they're formulated for our area and for our growing conditions. So that's uh, why we've had really good success with, with those products. Well, I've been using the, uh, 30, 10, 10, 20, 20, 20. And, uh, your uh, sixteen thirty-two six. Yeah, on the grass. And the uh, Rage Plus. Yeah, those are. That's a great arsenal to have in your in your garden box. So, and then a little bit of pure spray green for some of the bugs. I do and, have that. Uh, yes. 
And uh, the only thing I couldn't get down your place was some elbow grease. <laughs> you know? <laughs> sure. That's in short supply. Yeah, we, we, yeah, yeah we, we do have our gardening crews out, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, they're always happy to come out. Well, thanks, Sean. I got to go. I got to take a break Thank here. Thank you yeah, both. Great talking to you. Take care. Sounding good. Thanks, Bye Sean. now. Bye-bye. And uh, we got to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coons, and I'm here with Terry Kemper. Terry, got a quick question here. Um... Looking for snow in the summer. Is it a plant that is stocked or special order? Uh, nope, we just stocked that. Serastium, sort of a low-growing, short, um, gray, fuzzy-leafed. Uh, yeah, is that you know? the goatweed? Uh, nope, nope. Uh, it's one that uh, has uh, typically a white flower when it's blooming. But once the white flower is done, I'll usually just trim those white flowers off. And then you're left with this sort of low oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. front okay. of the border. So what- yeah, but isn't goutweed nicknamed snow in the summer too or something? Or what's the nickname for goutweed? Um, well, it's got a lot of names, not not good ones. Yeah, yeah, because it's fairly invasive. But I, I also you know thought it, it was snow in the summer. Yeah, uh, I know it's snow in the summer as the cerastium, which is the uh, the silver-leafed, um, low-growing perennial. Okay. But Perfect. yeah, we will we will have that. And last year, I think we had a couple different um, varieties of it too. So, yeah. okay, yeah. all right. Well, uh, Steve, uh, safety Steve was asking about that, so uh, that we got that to him. We got a couple callers on the line. We're going to go to Diane. Good morning, Diane. Hi. Good morning. Hi. How can we help you? Hi. Well, I have a lime tree. It's a couple years old. I bought it. It was maybe about twelve inches high. And kept it outside during the summer till I absolutely couldn't keep it outside anymore. Brought it in, it bloomed, and it has produced a couple of limes. Then it it seemed to sort of go to sleep as it was growing the limes. And then just the last couple of weeks, it just exploded in blossom again. So I took my paintbrush out and have been brushing blossoms wherever I could. And uh, there are a couple that have set, but I'm just wondering, like, um, am I, I, I am I doing the right thing? Is there anything else I should be doing? <clears throat> Pruning, um, transplanting, like that kind of thing. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, yes, <coughs> they do like a thirty ten ten fertilizer as well, similar to the azaleas and and the uh, gardenias. Um, so I do fertilize with that for those. Um, I do put mine outside. I put a lemon tree. I put it outside every summer from usually June 1st to September 1st. Okay. It just seems to like that. It helps produce a lot more fruit because it gets the natural um, cross-pollination mm-hmm. from, the, from, the, from the bees and the different, different bugs that are out there as well. And they like the airflow, and they don't mind the cooler nights. So, um, so that kind of I find that works really well, and full the sunniest spot as you can get for it. Yeah. Um, but if if you're not able to do that, just if you keep it inside in a in the best sunny spot you got, um, there is times where they kind of seem like they go through a dormant stage through the winter, where sometimes they'll drop some leaves, they'll 
that kind of just seem like they're not doing nothing for about a month or two. Mm-hmm. So that that is something that you'll have to uh, just be patient with as as it goes. Okay. But that that will happen, and it's just our low light in the in the winter time when we get those uh, lot lot lower light days it, that'll tend to do that to the citrus. Okay, and is there a special kind of soil mix that I should be using? And uh, just a good all-purpose and a taller cylinder pot. Like they don't like a big wide pot. They oh. prefer their pots to be a little bit more cylinder. So a taller, skinnier pot. They kind of like that. Not not really skinny, but just more cylinder upright than really big and wide. Okay, good to know. Yeah, no. yeah. And then just fertilize like a good all-purpose potting soil um, is great. Um, for them and yeah that's they're they're pretty straightforward like they're okay but you have to be patient and don't move them around a ton like when you find that good sunny spot um they don't like drafts either so kind of keep them away from a if you have a door or something like that so okay and is there a best time to transplant um right now is perfect time like the days are starting to get longer um, so it, it, they they respond really quite well, and then they can put all that energy as the days get longer into new growth. Okay. And with that new soil, and then they produce, like you said, you probably just went through that big um, blooming stage. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, depending on what it's doing right now, you might want to wait a bit um, to, to transplant until all those have set. Okay. Um, so you're not knocking them off and things like that during the transplanting. So. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. You're very welcome. Thanks, Dan. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. All right. We got to take another break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on QR Calgary. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. I am here with Terry Kemper. We do have a couple of callers that we'll go to. We're going to go to Carol. Good morning, Carol. Good morning, Merrill. How are you? I'm doing great. How can we help you? Okay. All right. Um, You know when the car forces get older... Um, they tend to die off in the middle. There's that yeah. they kind of, it looks like they rot or they, something, yeah, I think they rot. So I've heard that if you dig them up, you can break them up and sort of consolidate them and bring them back together again and pull out that, you know, get rid of that center dead spot. Hey, Terry, you want to answer this one? <laughs> Terry, help? Yeah, so Carl Forster is one that uh, does benefit from being divided like most perennials every three, four years. Um, th- I would just grab a shovel uh, and get that out of the ground. And when you divide it, divide it into probably, I say, each established clump, you could probably get at least, let's say, four or five plants. When you replant them, uh, for maximum effect, I would put uh, at least three of them together. So get into that idea of where you're massing those plantings. Um, again, you'll get the, the, the most benefit from that plant when you when you mass it uh so that's okay. that would be the approach that i would take for for an older established carl forrester what, it, what was explained how it was explained to me was it forms like a donut shape with a dead in the middle so what yeah. you do is you turn the donut back on you take out the dead dig it up take out the dead and literally turn the donut back on itself like do you know what i'm saying reverse it back so that the whole it would be the same thing as what you're saying it would form a clump of, of almost a, a third of the uh, two thirds of the plant. Yeah, and you see that in a lot of perennials. Uh, Siberian iris is another one that you'll see sort of 
kind of dies out in the center, sort of grows into a ring. But um, most perennials will benefit from a from a divide every three or four years, depending on the plant. Okay, good. Um, and the uh, that's uh, um, uh, geraniums, those wild geraniums, those uh, cranes bill geraniums. They take off. They just make huge clumps. It's the same thing. You just divide those up. What in the middle of the season or early season? Uh, I would go after those early season. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah, because they they just take over. They form these massive, huge lumps. These massive and literally take over the bed. Okay. Yeah, they do a great job of what they do for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they do. Thank you so much, Terry. Thank you for your help. The All right, you're welcome. I love it. I listen. I listen religiously every Sunday. I put my life on hold to listen to it. <laughs> well, that's great. Thanks for listening. Okay, thank you so much. Bye. All right, bye-bye. Take care. All right, we got one more caller. We're going to go to Robert. Good morning, Robert. Hi, how are you? We're doing good. How can we help you? Uh, I'd like to talk about trees today. Sure, Uh, we can do that. I I was born in Ireland and uh, came to Canada when I was 13 years old. And I remember the diversity and selection of trees that uh, grew grew up in the uh, in the British Isles. You know, you had chestnut, oak, birch, yep. evergreens, oh, a wide variety. And I was wondering if your expert there has ever heard of a monkey puzzle tree. Um. Uh, yeah. We actually we have. We've seen them in Vancouver. We, they yeah, grow quite I, readily I go- there. I was going to say that uh, I've never lived in any other province besides Alberta, and uh, I I have visited uh, British Columbia uh, quite often. I was out in Victoria, of course. Took the uh, the tour. Yeah, of, so that uh, you'll you'll see all kinds of uh, like out in the. If we go to the Bouchard Gardens, but even just in Vancouver, you'll see palm trees, the monkey puzzle, like all kinds of diverse plants. Probably the closest thing that looks like a monkey puzzle would be the bristlecone pine. Yeah, uh, one of my, one of my favorite photographs of all time, uh, family photo, was uh, when I took the family on a trip to Vancouver Island. And uh, we passed through the uh, Cathedral Forest. And I have this picture of these two little toddlers uh, with their mother trying to wrap their arms around the girth of this humongous tree. <laughs> it was probably like 120, 130 feet tall and maybe uh, six or eight feet around. So that's, that's a really pleasant memory I have of that. Uh, well, I'm glad you you can have those because those are those are important. And uh, when you when you visit the world, paying attention to all the different plant life. But we got to go. Thanks for calling in, Robert. We appreciate it. Yeah, and no Terry, problem. We'll see you tomorrow at work. I guess you're back at her. Back at and, tomorrow. Uh, yep. And we'll be able to be right here. We'll get our garden on here on QR Kari next week.